I'm John. And I'm David. And you're listening to the Autocorrect Podcast. So this was a doubleheader weekend. Yeah, it was the French GP last weekend, and then yesterday was the Hungarian GP. Yep. Which marks a year that you've been watching F1. Yeah, I... uh... First one I watched was uh, a nightmare of uh, the Hungarian GP last year. It was wet. Yeah, and that one we watched at Ferrari, too, which is always a good time. Yep. But, yeah, two races. Yeah, there were (laughs) two races. (laughs) Two races. I was going to say good races, but Uh, they're two races. We will say Ferrari has been... uh, fast and loose with their strategy computer they don't have one and when i say when i say strategy computer there was not much strategy involved and not much computing (laughs) involved and there was nothing fast about it (laughs) it it, you know that it's just a bowl of pasta i hope ferrari i love you but like there was nothing fast about (laughs) ferrari it, it it's really difficult to be a ferrari fan this year well, no, the last couple of races. They no. started off strong. The first race, they started off strong. Yeah. They then st- it all uh, sort of fell apart after that. They started off strong, and then you know, this No, it, it fell apart after the first race. Fair enough. But anyways, um, Charles Leclerc on pole for the French GP, and he was having a great race until around lap 17, I want to say. Maybe it was a little after that. But um, he made a small error and put it in the tire wall. And Small he, error. Well, it was a small error. Right. This That's kind of... It's funny because... it's a It's a funny way... It's funny how this works because it really is... You can have a little tiny error and... That's it. You're in a tire wall and you're out. Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly what happened. It, it really, that's just Formula One. Yeah. But Charles Leclerc... So we changed our recording setup, so now we can look at each other. And, this is... and the mic arm I have extended in a goofy way because I'm, I'm sitting over at the desk. And eventually when we have this room set up into a studio, we'll do like a little tour or something. But... Uh, I mean, we will eventually have the video podcasts out too, so you'll see what it looks like. Yeah, but uh, the mic arm I have fully extended right now, so it, it keeps flopping around. <laughs> um, anyways. Right. That aside over, um, Charles Leclerc, you know, owned the mistake he made and, you know, he didn't try to blame it on anybody but himself, which it 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 takes a lot of balls to do that. I mean, it is very easy to point the finger at somebody else, especially in a situation like that. But um, Carlos Sainz continued on. Um, He was doing pretty well, but leave it to Ferrari to just completely botch the strategy right at the end. So um, the safety car that uh, Charles Leclerc brought out, a lot of the front runners came into pit for that. And obviously Ferrari brought in Sainz to pit. And... When they did, they gave him an unsafe release into one of the Williams, I think, Latifi. Yeah. So he picked up a five-second time penalty there. Yeah, that was actually a pretty close one. It was very close. And 
It was uncomfortably close. Well, most unsafe releases are. Right. Well, that one that one seemed To be fair, a lot of unsafe releases end in collision. Yeah. But here's the thing with unsafe releases. They are to no fault of the driver at all because the driver relies on the cat the well, the, the indication system. There's a red light and a green light, and when the red light turns green, you put the f- foot down. You For know. anybody that's ever played red light, green light. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you you have very limited visibility apart from directly in front of you. So you do, as an F1 driver, you do rely on your crew. Yeah. So if they tell you the coast is clear, you just, you, you trust them that the coast is clear. You send it. So it was unsafe releases when the light turns green and it was not safe to do so. It was not safe to release the car because there's another car coming and you have yep. to you have to yield to who's already in the pit lane. Doesn't matter if it's your competitor. It's like normal traffic laws, the people entering traffic have to yield to traffic that's already on the road. Yeah. So obviously somebody needs to be held accountable for that and it's the accountability is held in in the form of a 5 second time penalty to the driver, which there are multiple different ways of looking at it. I think maybe we'll talk about this in a little more depth um when we cover regulations, which I think is actually going to be the next episode of the deep dive, which we're hoping to return to over the summer break. Yeah. Um, but there, there are multiple ways of looking at it. You know, you can give the driver the time penalty. You can give the team a fine. You can, there are all these things. And what, what is done is a time penalty, which, you know, is either fair or unfair, depending on the way you look at it. Obviously somebody needs to be held accountable for it. Otherwise, you know, it almost seems like a fine should be a more appropriate. I, I, I tend to agree with that, but reprimand. we'll we'll discuss that more when we talk about regulations because it is an interesting discussion to be had. Yeah. Moving along, though. Um, so science picks up this time penalty and he might or might not pit again at this point. So for those of you who don't know, a regular five second time penalty or 10 second time penalty. When you pit. The car comes into the pit box and the mechanics are not allowed to touch it for the penalty duration. Yep. Or if you don't pit again, like if you get the time penalty at the end of the race or something, then five seconds just gets added to your time. So yep. if you're within five seconds of the person behind you, then you're going to drop down a place, two places, whatever. If the person behind you is 10 seconds clear, then it doesn't really have any effect. Yeah. That being said, there's another type of penalty called a stop and go penalty where... Yep. You get usually either five or 10 seconds and you're obliged to come into the pits and they can't do anything. They, you're obliged to come into the pits within two laps of receiving the penalty and you have to come in, you have to stop in your pit box and you have to keep going. Even if you need tires or if you need anything, you're going to have to make a second pit stop because they are not allowed to work on the car at all. Yep. So that is a much more serious time penalty because it's not five or 10 seconds. It's actually... Like 20, 25 yeah. to 35 seconds yeah it's a, depending on the track it's a, big, it's a big it's a big hit yeah but anyways that's our little tangent about penalties over with uh science picked up the penalty and continued on racing and he had a magnificent drive he was not in a good position and he fought back up to second yep which was pretty impressive and meanwhile you have ferrari coming on the radio while he's fighting perez saying uh, why don't you pit now? Yeah, it's like what? What? Yeah, you, you just hear a box, 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 and everybody's sitting there like, no. 
Yeah, this was with about nine laps to go, and they did box him, and he did take his penalty uh, right after he passed Perez for second place, Yeah, which at first I was like, what are you doing, Ferrari? But looking back at it, it makes sense. Uh, the tires were showing a lot of deg, and you know, dropping down to, I think, fifth is where he dropped down to, is better than getting a puncture and crashing out of the race. Anyways, so they, it makes sense they, they put him on a new set of tires to go to the end because they really were fearful that the tires would not make it. Yeah. But Max won the race, Mercedes 2-3. Uh, Mercedes has definitely come back around the second half of the season. Yeah, the first half they were doing rough. Yeah, they brought a lot of upgrades. Yeah. But so. is there anything that I missed in the French GP? Uh, I don't think so. So the Hungarian GP was this past weekend. Um, George Russell took his first ever pole position. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, George Russell is definitely a driver to look out for. Um, I think he is a championship winning driver. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on him, but it was great to see him take his first ever pole position. Mind you, with three green sectors. He didn't even set a purple sector. Ah, uh, yes, a classic. And the really funny thing is, is back in Q1, <laughs> Latifi set a purple first sector, which I don't know how that happened, and he still qualified 20th with a purple sector. <laughs> the other thing I want to point out is Latifi was fastest overall in FP3. Don't know how that happened either. So before we get into the race, let's talk about the news from this week. Yeah, there was some, some good pretty... news and some sad news that we kind of knew was coming, but we were hoping wasn't. Yeah, so one of our favorite drivers, Sebastian Vettel, announced his retirement at the end of this year. Yeah. He has had a very long and very fruitful career. Yeah, he's done some crazy stuff. Uh, he's definitely he... one of my favorite. Oh, he is He is all top, time. top three favorite drivers for me. Yeah. Uh, 54 wins, I believe, four world championships, and I don't even know how many podiums. We'll, we'll over do, like 120 something, right? Something like that, yeah. We'll we'll do a you know tribute slash career overview for Seb at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be really sad, but he's he's moving we're, we're on gonna, to. We're gonna have to break out the sad music for that one. Yeah, we're he's moving on. He's you know he wants to focus. It seems like you know from what he said, he wants to focus on his family and other. Uh, things he wants to pursue with his life, which he's had a long career in F1. So. Yeah. I don't think he's going to pull a Kimmy where he just turns up in NASCAR all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> if, for those of you who didn't hear, Kimmy's going to make it his NASCAR debut this year. I, I, don't, I don't understand how, why and he by went... by NASCAR debut, I mean, again, because last time he left F1, he went to NASCAR for a couple races also. I don't understand. I, I'm, not, I'm not dissing NASCAR, but it's a downgrade from F1. It's just Kimmy, but like a literal. Like I don't. Yeah, I'm no, not, no, no, I don't no, mean no. that as an insult. Mean. It, it, it's it's a just literal... Kimmy doing silly, goofy things. Yeah, he's a he's he's got ideas. <laughs> the funny thing is, this is the second time Kimmy has left F1 and done like two races in NASCAR. He's not making a NASCAR career. I don't really understand how NASCAR works, but he's showing up for like two races and that's it. After all, why not? Like, you can't do that in F1. I guess you can do that in NASCAR. But anyways, moving right along, it is very sad to see Sebastian leave the sport, but 
like you said, he wants to spend more time with his family, which is very respectable. And, and uh, he wants to pursue other things in his career. Yeah. So. I, I think that we're going to see him active on the media side of things, like we see with Nico Rosberg. Um, we see I him. hope he starts. Does he, he doesn't have a podcast, right? No, he doesn't. I hope he starts. <laughs> that would be cool if he does. He's done so much. He's, he's driven with a lot of people, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... And then there's also the the whole race of champions tangent that he went on with Michael Schumacher. Who can forget that? <laughs> that that was that was special to see back in like 2012, I think it was 2011. Yeah. And coming out of Aston, uh, we have you know, of course, Seb is retiring, and they need another driver. So that's the interesting thing is Seb's retirement announcement caught Aston Martin just as off guard as it caught us. Really? Aston Martin didn't get advance notice. That's interesting. I think he was not too pleased with that. I, I by from, they didn't get advance notice, I mean I think that they found out like 12 hours before we did. I th- it seems like there has been a couple things about how Aston Martin has been doing lately and team morale and everything that have been more on the negative side. That yes, I agree. I mean, this is a bit of a harsh comparison, but Lawrence Stroll has sort of been ruling with an iron fist over there. Yeah, and not so well. No, but that that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, maybe we'll add like a team structures tangent to our deep dive series or something because it is interesting to see the very different ways that teams are run, particularly Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, and Aston Martin. Those teams are all run completely differently, and it has completely different effects. And one of the things is that Ferrari has been is the only team that has been uh, consistently active for the entirety of F1. Yeah. For the history of F1. Yeah. So, yeah, they uh, Aston was caught by surprise. Yeah, and the funny thing is this whole weekend they were, instead of focusing on finding a new driver, which I'll let you announce their new driver in a second, because they already found one, they were focused on trying to convince Seb to stay. I mean, fair enough. I would be too. Yeah. But, like, he's had such a long career. He deserves deserves his retirement. He does, absolutely. And, I mean, maybe we'll see him come back, you know, for a test or something, or maybe we'll see him step in as the reserve driver. Yeah. I, I don't think he's completely done with f1 i mean he'll i i definitely think he'll at least stick around on the media side of things i think the funniest f1 retirement has got to be nico's oh yeah absolutely like seb has done so much and like you know kimmy has done they've had they had such long careers nico is like world champ i'm out baby (laughs) he's like eight years is enough for me yeah and nico went in i won the world championship i'm out baby (laughs) let's go (laughs) <laughs> I beat Lewis Hamilton in equal machinery. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. But, but why don't you announce Aston Martin's new driver for 2023? So Aston, uh, as we know, has been uh, not searching very long because it seems like they found one, a new driver almost instantly. Um, <laughs> which is, again, another tangent, which we'll talk about in another I time. I don't know how they manage that, honestly. Oh, there's some, there, there's some drama over there, especially really? after these last two weekends. So, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso, 
after these past two weekends is very displeased with Alpine. So that makes sense. Shocking. Um, Fernando Alonso is for, you know, Seb and Kimi and, you know, Schumacher, all, you know, there's big names in F1, but people that are not like really into F1 might not know the like ridiculous career that uh, Fernando Alonso has had. Oh, he has had an incredible career. Two world championships. He, he was the first one to beat Michael Schumacher. Yep. But, and well, he now has the most GPs. Yeah. And the most, the most GPs and I think the most distance race too. Yeah, that makes sense. He took both of those from Kimmy in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Kimmy, uh, Kimmy, so Kimmy retired last season, um, which, you know, I don't know if that's his last retirement. <laughs> I think it is. I don't I think, think that, so. I don't but... think we'll see Kimmy involved too much in F1 anymore. No, at least not in the driving aspect. I don't think we'll even really see him involved in the media aspect. Yeah. I think that he is happy to be spending time with his family. Yeah. And his whatever NASCAR hobby he has. And yes, I did just say hobby. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is there, but uh yeah, so those are Fernando Alonso is going to be on Aston and Seb is retiring. Yeah. So those are our big news. So let's cover the race. Yeah. So, so George Russell, pole position. Yep. Pretty exciting for him. Also, another thing about this weekend is we had our first mathematical elimination from the championship. It is now impossible for Nicholas Latifi to win the championship. It's he is so the bad. he is currently the only driver that it is impossible for him to win the championship. Everybody else has a mathematical chance at winning the championship. So anybody that just listens and doesn't really watch F1, uh, there are two championships every year. Nowadays there are. The constructors yeah. championship was added in the late fifties. Right. Um now there's constructors and there is uh oh drivers. my drivers. Yeah. I, yeah. Literally I don't <laughs> I I blanked on the word drivers. I don't want to talk about it. Um we have the constructors and the drivers championship. One is team, one is individual. Yep. So you when you win you get points. When you don't win you don't place in the top 10. You don't and, get any uh, points. And a few other things. You don't get any points. And when you don't get any points ever. You don't win. <laughs> you can't win. You make it into uh, August 1st and you can't win. Yep. That I just find that funny that he is currently the only driver that is, is he, mathematically He's still eliminated. at zero, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else has, I think, his next closest rival. Is his teammate on three points? Oh, which would have to win every race, and like the top ten would have to not win, would have to not score any points. Yeah, it would have to be like all these bottom runners driving. Yeah, literally, but it's still mathematically possible. It's still mathematically possible for the team to get points just from him getting some points. And well, the constructors' championship is long gone for Williams. Yeah, that's long gone. The Drivers' Championship is... Also long gone. (laughs) Well, not so long gone, but gone. But anyways, so the race. um, I'm not disappointed at Ferrari. I'm just mad. (laughs) I don't understand what the strategy by Ferrari is. So, hindsight, I can sort of see where they're coming from. 
the Hungaro Ring is a pretty unique track in that it's got some unique pileups last year. Well, well. <laughs> the way... <laughs> oh. No comment. Weather affects the track very interestingly. It's also a very dusty track, which when it's in. dry. Yeah. Which plays in, in Which it was not last year. <laughs> nor was it this year. Fair enough. It was very it, it was like borderline monsoon last year. It was just damp this year. No, last last year was funny because it was quite the race to start, like right Yeah, well, I'm surprised F1. they started it. Yeah. But anyways, moving along. Um going into the race, everybody knew the hard compound tire was not going to be favored. As they later called it the concrete compound tire. I love me some cinder blocks. Literally. Anyways, with that in mind, uh, I don't think anybody started on the hard. It was a mixture of softs and medium. The medium was definitely the raciest tire of the weekend. So the Ferraris started on mediums. Uh, Red Bull started on softs. One of the Mercedes started on soft. Everybody else started on mediums for the most part. But anyways, the pit window for the soft was around lap 16 or so. So Max pits... uh, both Max and George pit off soft, softs around then. Ferrari makes the mistake of trying to cover that. Now, with the Hungaro ring, the undercut is very powerful. And it was pretty much a lost cause trying to cover for it because they, first of all, didn't recover from the undercut. They, they didn't make that time back up. And they got rid of tires that still had life in them. And yeah. they went medium, medium. Yeah. So... If for those of you who don't know, you're obliged to run two different compounds during the race. So that seals them into at least a two-stop strategy because they're going to have to put something other than a medium on at some point too. So Ferrari has the genius idea, or let me backtrack. Alpine decides to pit for some hards and it does not go well for them. They lose all of their pace. Cinder block tire. I don't understand why why the cinder block tires are... I don't understand why Ferrari watched Alpine struggle and went, we're going to pit our championship leader. I'll take your entire stock of strategy. <laughs> Literally. So they put Charles Le- so they took Charles Leclerc off a medium which again still had life in it. And if Ferrari played the cards right, they probably could have done medium medium soft for which is what they did for Sainz. They probably could have done that for Charles Leclerc too. Yeah. But they did medium medium hard. So they got rid of two sets of mediums that still had life in them and they put them on hards and he had no pace at all. None whatsoever. You want to talk about what happened? Charles Leclerc is chasing down Verstappen. Verstappen passes him. And what does Verstappen do? Yee! <laughs> right after Wee. he passes Charles Leclerc, he decides to go for oh, a spin. Fat donut. <laughs> and then he Good. proceeds to pass Charles Leclerc again. Yeah. That but, was funny. But it was just, oh, the strategy was just so bad. And then they pitted him off the hard for some softs, which, again, didn't do anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what Ferrari, what has gone on with Ferrari these past few weeks. There are two David Croft comments that I just want to bring to light because oh, no. they were the funniest oh, no. quotes I've ever heard in my life. So... There were, there were some big questions about the weather for the race weekend. 
uh, especially particularly race day. Um, they predicted weather coming in at the beginning, then middle, then the end, and we actually got rain for like the last two laps. Yep. But right as the race was starting, we had this gem of a commentary from David Croft. Looks like Toto Wolf's weather forecast of doom isn't going to happen. <laughs> Get over that. That was it. Was just so funny, and then. I don't know, around lap 20 or so, we got this other great comment from David Croft. Mercedes has enough computing power to launch a battleship, though an outstretched palm is still the best way to tell if it's raining. I, I, cannot, <laughs> I cannot believe he actually said that. He said both of those on live television. Uh, it's just so funny. What a unit. What an absolute unit. It's just so funny. It was hysterical. But anyways, um, Verstappen ended up winning the race, Hamilton P2 and Russell P3. Sainz P4, so Ferrari managed to salvage P4 from that monstrosity of a race, and then Charles Leclerc down in sixth. Yeah. I can't believe Ferrari. I can't believe Ferrari either. They're so, like... But hopefully, you know, obviously... The teams are not allowed to actually do any development over the summer break. All of the factories and everything have to be shot for the summer break. That's when is the next race? End of August. So there's four weeks. It, it's a four week break, um, and the the teams have to be shot. There's no development, nothing. Everybody gets time off. Hopefully, Ferrari takes this time off to sit and think about it. Yeah. Well, maybe sack their strategist and maybe, hire a new maybe one. they'll share what they were thinking when we do the next season of Drive to Survive. We'll spend the next, you know, winter break talking about that and watching it. Who knows? A nice 90 days to, or whatever it is, to. That's uh, a little longer this year because Abu Dhabi is November 20th. What? Yeah. The last race of the season is in November this year. The summer break is like a hundred and really why the winter break, they could have just put one more race in there. Let Seb get to three hundred. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Seb is going to have two hundred ninety nine races at the end of his career. Disappointment. Twenty seven races. Yeah, they they could just add another one in, but yeah, November twentieth is the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Yeah. Huh. Usually it's like December thirteenth. Yeah, it's like midway through December. So winter break is a little longer this year. Uh, I don't know the date of Australia. It's going to be sometime in March, probably. Oh, it's a lot longer. Yeah, it'll be, it it'll be like 150 days, maybe not that long. Maybe like 120 days. Hmm. We don't have a huge. We don't have a big wave of regulation. No. Right. Yeah. 2025 is the next regulation change. Right. So. All right. Well, I think we uh, went a little longer than we wanted to. Yeah, we sufficiently butchered this. Uh, these races. Um, <laughs> if you've made it this far, uh, congratulations. Yeah. And uh, we, oh boy, we, uh, we're going to be posting, uh, we posted a couple times on our, our Instagram this past week. We're uh, going to be putting a couple more posts up on the website. Uh, feel free to sign up for the newsletter. If you go to studio1k.com and go to the bottom of the page, there's a little, a box or you can put in your, your email. Um, and then uh, we'll be sending out uh, probably once a week, just, you know, the quick excerpt of like, hey, we've post we're we're po- we're posting this is what we're talking about, and whatever you know, an excerpt from the actual you know, blog post we put up about the episode if we do, yeah. So, 
but coming up we have our um oceanography ocean exploration series coming up yep that's um, gonna be uh a week from this wednesday or yep. no sorry and uh, we yeah, already have yeah, sorry. one that is right. exciting guest for that confirmed Yes. And we're working on a second guest, which is going to be something completely unrelated, but still pretty interesting. Yeah. So we have, uh, we're closing out the space series, which was just for the month of July, but we were, we're running a week long. And then... Uh, yeah, we, we added an extra week to July. Don't worry about it. We, we changed July. So, uh, yeah. We, you know, we're closing up the space series and we want to get a little bit into ocean exploration. And then for the remainder of the winter, or, you know, we might change it up in December. We're not sure yet, but we're going to do code breaking conspiracies. We have some really cool code breaking topics and a few conspiracy topics that are really interesting. And then come like uh, probably February or March, we'll obviously start back up with the race recaps, but we'll also start our earthwork series and. We hopefully will be having some very interesting guests for that series. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be it for this episode. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>